Welcome to the Living Healthy Podcast, where you can improve your quality of life by making solid and informed decisions. I'm your host, Eddie Randall. Happy Easter, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Living Healthy Podcast. Virtual health care is here, and by the looks of things, it appears that it's here to stay. The COVID-19 pandemic has changed the world, and the world has changed with it. Virtual appointments, or telehealth appointments, are now a part of our normal lives. In light of this adaptation, I've decided to dive into it to explore this newfound element of health. If there are questions or information that people want to know about regarding virtual healthcare, I'm presenting this podcast to you as a way to cover some of that information. So grab some coffee or your favorite snack, sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Technology. Technology is advancing at an exponential rate. People who are born into the current generation don't know what life was ever like without the internet. The last 20 plus years have given us access to information and the world at a rate that has never been seen before in history. With the convenient and sometimes mind-boggling technology that goes into cars, modern homes, computers, televisions, and cell phones, it's no wonder that it has also crossed over into healthcare. Let's take a brief look at what gave rise to telemedicine, where it all started. In the 1920s, Huckland Hospital in Norway began using a two-way radio to give medical advice to medical staff who gave care to patients while traveling abroad. In 1924, there was a magazine called Radio News. It was created by Hugo Gernsbach, and it focused on radio and technology of the time. The April edition of that year depicted a young patient on the cover receiving care from a doctor via a television and a microphone. This was a glimpse into what the future of healthcare could possibly be. If you're interested in checking out that magazine, I found a PDF link to it online, and I'll place that link in the description of the podcast. Pre-COVID-19 Telehealth appointments and virtual healthcare were used and continue to be used steadily way before the coronavirus pandemic. Since the pandemic, it has taken off, and as with the virus, it is now a common part of our everyday lives. If you think about it, politicians, movie stars, professional athletes, and wealthy people typically don't go to their doctors. Their doctors usually come to them. As an example, many politicians can simply call their doctor at 2 a.m. if they start to feel ill, and the doctor may come over to their mansion or call in something for them, and have it delivered, or simply video chat or have a phone conversation about their condition and treatment. Certain people, due to their status, wealth, or popularity, cannot go to normal places every day like you and I can. A certain status can be a curse and also a blessing. Needless to say, I make a point of this to illustrate that telehealth and virtual healthcare have been here all along. It has just now taken off since COVID-19 began infecting people all around the world. The rise of virtual healthcare. Virtual healthcare is gaining more and more popularity. 
At first, many were reticent, but in lieu of exposing themselves to those who were sick, they waned and welcomed the option. Others saw a great convenience and an opportunity to get more things done in the day. Yet others just welcome it because they may be lazy and feel it not necessary to put the time and effort into something they feel is unnecessary, like going to their doctor's office. I'm not talking bad about anyone when I say this, as there are all kinds of people out there that have their own particular reasons for welcoming virtual health. I am objectively mentioning multiple viewpoints as I have discussed these viewpoints with patients. Technology has given us all more access and convenience within the healthcare process. For example, calling in prescriptions electronically became the norm back in 2007. If it has not been a considerable amount of years since the last time you saw your doctor and you ran out of a script, you can simply call your doctor's office and have the script renewed electronically and pick it up at the pharmacy of your choice. The same can be said for radiology orders, referrals, and office notes among doctors with mutual patients. Not to mention with the use of electronic medical record programs that are shared among hospitals, doctor's offices, and standalone providers. They use these programs to share patients' medical records. This makes the referral process and treatment plan implementation that much easier as everything is accessible electronically. And I will just mention this. For those that worry about having information stolen or hacked, um, although no system is 100% foolproof, you'd be amazed at the level of security and encryption that health organizations put into keeping all of our information safe. Technology has also given us the ability to make healthcare choices. For example, most people just go with the insurance that their employer offers them, which is fine. Then they may put their parent or parents, spouse or children on the insurance plan. Well, people can also shop around for their health insurance, much like shopping around for car insurance and homeowners insurance. You're able to compare rates and out-of-pocket costs like co-pays and hospitalization costs. Then you can obviously select the one that best suits your budget and health. This is especially important uh, to those with pre-existing conditions. Some health insurance companies will even pay you uh, in one way or another for staying healthy or not smoking. Also, discounts uh, to gym memberships and other incentives make it appealing to those um, who seek coverage. There are even HSA and FSA accounts that are tax-free and allow you to save up money for a health emergency. On top of this, you can shop around for procedures. You can shop around for pricing on medical testing like MRIs and CT scans. You can shop for procedures like colonoscopies, surgical interventions, and even surgical procedures like lithotripsy, aka kidney stone removal. You have to do some research on the procedure or test that you're looking uh, to get. You'll also need the medical code, namely the CPT or ICD codes. The CPT codes uh, stands for Current Procedural Terminology and refers to the treatment that you're given. The ICD code stands for the International Classification of Disease and it refers to the medical condition that the treatment is aiming to resolve. I'm going to put some links in the description of the podcast if you'd like to learn about shopping for healthcare. This is very important as some doctors, hospitals, and insurance companies 
keep the prices to themselves and determine what the cost should be and just expect you to pay them and we'll just send you a bill. COVID has really put some in a bind as some who, thank God, have survived have unfortunately been hit with exorbitant hospital bills, some ranging in the hundreds of thousands depending on the treatment given. Some situations could not be helped as some had to receive ICU treatment and when it comes to saving your life, price is usually the last thing someone's thinking about. Unfortunately, some insurance companies are hoping for situations just like that. However, shopping around, as I mentioned, is thankfully an option. Technology has opened the world to us, a world that has always been there. Even now, there are apps out there where you can arrange your office visits. You can stay up on your health care and prescriptions and upcoming appointments. You can even search specifically for doctors who take your insurance plans as well. These things have latently established themselves in our daily lives and will continue to do so for as time goes on. It only makes sense as we are connected to the internet 24 hours a day and our lives are literally online. Why not utilize technology to make healthcare more accessible and more convenient? What does a virtual visit entail? Virtual appointments essentially work as the video conferencing that has become commonplace since the coronavirus pandemic. The appointments often involve the use of a home computer and camera or a smartphone with a camera. In some instances, the doctor will simply call the patient for the appointment. This can be done in certain situations where the law will allow and to the convenience of some elderly individuals who do not have access to a PC, camera, or smartphone. Depending on the insurance company and or the laws of the state you live in, you may have to actually be present in the state even if it's going to be a virtual appointment. You'll have to check with your insurance company for detailed rules regarding this. As soon as you are clear on the rules and set up your virtual appointment, I recommend writing down any questions or updates that you wish to share with your doctor and have them next to you. A link for the appointment is usually sent to the patient's email or via text message in order to gain access to the appointment. Once they click on the link, um, they can be checked in by a nurse and then a doctor will come on afterwards to initiate the appointment. As far as vitals, your doctor will ask for your temperature, weight, and blood pressure. These are things that can be easily gathered by almost all patients as a thermometer, scale, and blood pressure machine are commonplace in homes today. Um, they're as common as aspirin in uh, the medicine cabinet. Labs and imaging, such as x-rays and CT scans, can all be reviewed at the same time of the appointment, just as long as they were ordered and completed and sent to the doctor beforehand. Updates and recommendations are given just as they would be in person. Medications can be increased, decreased, or changed just as if the patient were there at the office. There would essentially be no change in the appointment other than it would be in the comfort of your home. As I mentioned, no change. That may mean you would wait or probably wait as long as you would if you were at the office, in the waiting room, and in the exam room. Some waiting times can vary depending on the size of the practice and unforeseen circumstances. As I said, the waiting time can be the same. The benefit is you get to wait in an atmosphere that's your own home. Nothing can be more comfortable than that. There will be certain situations where you'll have to be seen in person, 
but that depends on the type of doctor you see and the overall condition that you have. Convenience. The convenience is profound as you don't have to drive to the appointment, so you'll be able to save on wear and tear on your vehicle and also on gas. That is especially important as gas prices have currently skyrocketed. Since the appointment is virtual, you can have it at any location just as long as you are not actively driving. You can use your phone to have the appointment. Some are wondering about copays and insurance and records. You can be billed by your doctor's practice or pay the copay at check-in virtually. Insurance and records can be uploaded by the patient's, uh, excuse me, by the practice's record system um, that they give you access to, or this information can be sent by the referring doctor or testing facility. This convenience can also eliminate what is called white coat syndrome. For those who are unfamiliar with this, this is where your blood pressure can be higher than normal if the present in the presence of your doctor. Some think that it's due to the white lab coat the doctors wear. Some say it's due to the driving and hustle of making it there on time. Yet others say it's due to the anxiety and social awareness that is put on us when simply around other people when we go to the doctor's office. Lastly, others would say it's due to the patient's kid or kids choosing the doctor's office to wreak havoc and misbehave. This does put added pressure and stress on the patient. Whatever the cause, the convenience of virtual appointments and being able to take your vitals at home will no doubt eliminate white coat syndrome. This convenience will also cause more people to go to their doctor, or at least give, not give them the excuse not to go. It'll also allow them to make time for their health. Some people who are career-driven, which is absolutely fine, uh, but being so consumed with career and achievement, health may sometimes take a backseat. Speaking as a man, I can say that the stereotype is true. The majority of men do tend to put off going to the doctor. It can be out of fear or the reason I just mentioned. Virtual appointments make seeing your doctor possible, even with a busy life. I wanted to take a moment to say thank you for supporting the podcast. The Living Healthy Podcast is listed on many platforms, including Anchor, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Bullhorn, and many others. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. And don't forget to check out the Living Healthy Podcast channel on YouTube. Also, if you have any questions or would like me to discuss a particular topic, or you'd like to be a guest on the show, please contact me at livinghealthylivinghealthy at gmail.com. Older Adults Some raise the argument that virtual health care is not appropriate or in some cases fair for elderly patients. However, some seniors have been using virtual reality games and simulations for the last six years or so. It gives some seniors the access, experience, and enjoyment of activities that they no longer are able to do. These are not just games, but simulations of doing different activities. Seniors can go virtual fishing, traveling to different locations, driving, cycling, etc. So the concept of seniors in technology and virtual healthcare is nothing new.
The pros of seniors and virtual healthcare goes further, as they can have access to their doctor without the worry of having to get there. Virtual appointments for seniors, as with the public, is more mainstream now. Granted, some seniors who are not tech-savvy may need help from a family member or friend to help them with their appointment. As most seniors now have smartphones and may have become acclimated to online banking, using a smartphone or computer may not be that difficult. Personally, I have seen that most seniors have no issues with virtual appointments other than technical issues that may arise on the doctor's end or on the patient's end. I imagine that it helps those seniors who do not wish to drive or are unable to do so. That being said, most people put a stigma on seniors and their ability to drive. News outlets often list the age of an elderly person if they are involved in an accident, especially if it's a single car accident. I've been driving long enough to see the difference as the majority of young and inexperienced drivers tend to be at very high risk in comparison to senior drivers. I just wanted to mention this as my opinion on this matter is relevant to the topic of virtual appointments and senior citizens. Aside from a possible lack of being tech savvy, other cons include a senior not being able to see the screen properly or the inability to hear their doctor properly through the speakers of the phone or the computer. The circumstances around the health issues of the patient, young or old, will usually dictate if a virtual appointment would be the best option uh, to partake in. You'll have to discuss your options with your doctor and your doctor will make the appropriate accommodations for you if your um, appointment will have to be virtual and the doctor finds that'll benefit you the best. Pros and cons of virtual visits. It almost goes without saying how convenient virtual appointments are. You can literally be anywhere and have the appointment as long as you have a smartphone and access to the internet. Other pros include getting a bit more sleep and the ability to save on gas and vehicle wear and tear as I had mentioned earlier. More importantly, you do not have to expose yourself to people who have certain communicable diseases. I'm not saying this in a manner of being scared to be around people. I'm saying this in a manner of looking out for your best health interest, especially in a country where the healthcare system seems to care more about profit than the patient. We do have a good system, but it's also good that virtual appointments allow us to have an extra barrier of safety. In addition, some patients may feel more at ease when discussing personal conditions. Some people still feel embarrassed discussing, discussing certain things. It's understandable because we're all human. However, when it comes to healthcare professionals, I can assure pretty much all healthcare providers have seen every single type of unbelievable situation, especially if you work in an emergency room, urgent care center, or surgical unit. Being at home one-on-one -on -one in your own personal setting not only stops white coat syndrome, as I had already mentioned, it does also open the doorway to allow a more relaxed conversation between provider and patient. As beneficial as virtual appointments are, there are cons to having them as well. If you can remember back to the start of the pandemic when multiple people got together to have virtual meetings, there were some security risks, which in the end had boiled down to the administrators of the meeting not having a hard enough password. 
Some literally had the password of one, two, three, four. Uh, some were able to hack the meetings and listen in where they were not wanted. And in some juvenile instances, they actually disrupted the meeting by taking over the feed and playing some sort of video. Or they would just blurt out profanity and ended up just becoming a nuisance. Thankfully, virtual appointments with your doctor are never in a group setting and are essentially one-on-one. -on -one. With the exception of a minor with a parent or an elderly parent with their adult child. The security issue here would be the safety and security of the internet encryption and the type of software program that's being used. This includes uploading sensitive information, uh, in particular for new visits um, where they would need your ID, social security number, insurance card information, and credit card information. This information sits in a database. Granted, for years, we have all been putting our sensitive information on databases, whether it be for employment or online banking. I'm bringing this up because it is a con or can be a con for having a virtual appointment where we put ourselves at risk. That being said, every time we swipe our debit or credit cards, we put ourselves at risk. The security around doctor's offices and hospitals where patients' information is maintained is usually some of the very, very best. Another con would be an elderly patient who's not tech savvy or cannot see well enough to click on the links or feel comfortable knowing they can have their appointment. A lot of anxiety can build up from an elderly patient trying to use technology that they did not grow up using to stay up on their health and maintain a relationship with their doctor. This stress is not needed, especially when you're trying to live out your golden years in peace. Another issue could be if the fee drops or the patient momentarily loses power. They will have to log back on and may not be able to finish the appointment. Depending on how large the practice is, the patient may have to wait months to schedule another appointment. This in, in order just to finish getting answers from a virtual appointment that ended prematurely due to a technical issue. That being said, some providers recognize the plight that virtual appointments may pose on the elderly. With a gracious and caring heart, he or she will usually pick up the phone and simply call the patient to complete the appointment. Some may have phone appointments only, but that depends on the laws of the state and the rules of the insurance company that you're insured with. At the end of the day, I'm happy for the availability, flexibility, and convenience of virtual appointments. Unfortunately, a lot of lives were lost in the wake of the pandemic, but on the bright side, it gave patients, especially those in high-risk groups, the ability to meet with their doctors virtually. Virtual appointments are now a major part of our culture. Preparation and common sense. It's always good to run a virus scan on your PC to make sure that there are no unknown programs, and this is especially important in preparation for your virtual visit. Also, it's a good idea to make sure that all wires are connected properly and that your camera's working. Most times, the link will be sent to your email, so make sure that um, you don't get. Make sure that you do get it and check your spam or your junk folder. Virus scan programs are also available for your phone. Make sure your phone is fully charged the night before your appointment. Make sure that the atmosphere is quiet and that you would be alone. Most people have their appointments in their home office or their den, and in some cases, their bedroom. That's where their PC will most likely be, along with books, awards, collectibles, and memorabilia. 
I mention this for two reasons. One, to make sure that the room you have your appointment in is, is clean and to make sure that the room does not have anything that you don't want others to see on camera. As an example, if you are a history nut and you love to collect World War II memorabilia, if you have certain imagery or books or collectibles in the background that people see, they may form an opinion of you that is further from the truth. Especially if you live with other people, you should just make sure that there's nothing laying around that you don't want others to see. Everyone can vouch for the fact that virtual meetings gave, have given us insight into the lives of people. From watching the news during the pandemic, we were able to see inside some broadcasters' homes. We were able to see their degrees and books in their bookcase that they love. With sportscasters, you were able to see the same thing in addition to sports memorabilia. Just be wary of this, and I'm not trying to scare people from doing virtual appointments, just making you aware to check the surroundings before you turn your camera on. Also, if you share the home with others, um, as most do, make sure that they are aware that you're doing a virtual appointment. We have all seen or heard about those embarrassing situations where a man's having a virtual appointment or a Zoom meeting for work, and his wife comes out of the shower and dries off in the same room, unaware that she's exposed until someone who's um, watching the uh, the meeting from a different location and you know lets the person know what's happening. How do health insurance companies handle virtual appointments? Pretty much all insurance companies offer coverage for virtual health or telemedicine appointments. Most private insurance companies have gotten on board and have moved forward with this option. Medicare also covers telehealth appointments. In addition, some Medicaid programs will cover telehealth appointments as well. Granted, each state has its own rules and regulations, so if you're unsure or just want to make sure you, that you don't have any un unexpected expenses, you can check with your insurance company beforehand. As I had mentioned earlier, some states require you to be in the state that the doctor is in in order to receive care via your virtual appointment. During the pandemic, some of these rules were waived in lieu of spreading the virus. Patients in some states were able to have virtual appointments with their doctors being hundreds or thousands of miles away. Most people identify the problem as the bureaucracy of state laws, as each state has its own licensing process and procedures to adhere to. If you practice medicine in New York, you cannot simply practice medicine under the same license in Texas. Typically, telehealth visits are cheaper than in person as far as the insurance goes. That being said, insurance companies are not in the business to lose money. So to compensate, some insurance carriers may try to make up the difference in other areas. The future of telehealth. Pandemic or not, telehealth appointments are not going anywhere. They are now a normal part of life. Two of the biggest problems in the United States in regard to healthcare have always been accessibility and prevention. In regard to accessibility, virtual appointments give people more access to their doctors. As an example, those who are in assisted living facilities or nursing homes don't have to worry about transportation. Normally, appointments are scheduled in groups at certain times and they are transported to the doctor for the appointment. Now in telehealth, a nurse or dedicated staff member can assist the patient or conduct the appointment with, uh, from the facility. People with busy lives can have their doctor's appointment at a location usually within their state. 
They can be on their lunch break at work or in their car at the school parking lot waiting to pick up the kids. The convenience of telehealth appointments are unparalleled. In addition to the links I mentioned earlier, I've listed a few more links in the description of the podcast that have some additional information on virtual healthcare. The links include the websites and phone numbers for Medicare and Medicaid to find out what is covered and what is not. Please feel free to check those out and share them if you like. If you have private insurance, you need to contact the insurance provider for specifics. That's going to do it for this podcast. Before I go, I wanted to mention that the official Living Healthy Podcast store is now available. Check out the latest merchandise. The link is in the description of the podcast. I want to thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. And I'll see you next time. And remember, living healthy creates a better you.